Pastor Ed Taylor observes an alarming trend in our world today. Do you know that the philosophy of humanism has overtaken our globe? That it's all about human ingenuity and human effort and human accomplishments? That it's so, man is so caught up in honoring man that it wouldn't be much for you to turn on a television and see some award show. Say, oh, you have done so good, I want to give you an award. You have done so good, man. You look at what you have done. Look at all the accomplishments you have had. And all the while feeding that false sense that man is getting better and better. But in reality, man is not getting better and better. And it's not, the earth doesn't revolve around man. The earth revolves around its creator, God. This is amazing grace. It's one of the Ten Commandments. You shall have no other gods before me. Well, it didn't take long for mankind to break that command, but did you realize idolatry is not just a thing of the past? It's a problem in the present. When anything or anyone takes the place of God in our lives, that's idolatry. And I think it's safe to say we've all blown it there more times than we can count. Today on Abounding Grace, Pastor Ed Taylor reveals the seven steps on the pathway to idolatry. By identifying them, our hope is it will help you get off that pathway and on to worshiping the true and living God through your life. Romans chapter 1, John chapter 3. The study title this morning is The Pathway to Idolatry. And we want to look at the pathway to idolatry and then we want to examine some areas in our own lives as Christians that perhaps we've allowed in that don't belong. Romans chapter 1, John's gospel chapter 3. And I need you to stick with me all the way through to the end, okay? Downhill is probably the best word to describe how Paul has dis- looked at and described man on the earth today. Now, if we were to go down to 16th Street Mall or down over to Southlands and start interviewing people and say, what do you think about the world today? I'm sure we'll be surprised by some of the answers that we get. Many people will say, well, things are going great. They couldn't have been better. Look at how man is and look how good he is and look how he's improved and see how wonderful man has made this world. And you would say, wait a minute. I mean, are you living in reality? Do you see the world in which we live today? Paul in Romans chapter 1 says, you know, things aren't getting better and better. Things are actually getting worse and worse. Whereas man has developed a false theory of evolution that things are always getting better and better, Paul says it's really not evolution that you're seeing, but de-evolution. We're actually going backwards. Things are actually getting worse. The depravity of man is getting deeper. The darkness of the world is getting darker. And the things that man is inventing to do against man and the sins that are being, it's it's amazing. And so Paul, he says, listen, the wrath of God is coming upon those that suppress the truth and unrighteousness. Chapter 1, chapter 2, and halfway into chapter 3 is all about the wrath of God. That if you're here today, and you're living apart from Jesus Christ, the Bible actually says the wrath of God is upon you, that the judgment of God is right now in your life, that you're living under judgment. 
but that because God loves you, he sent a way out in the person of his son, Jesus Christ, the eternal son of God who came to this earth and put on a human body. He walked the same roads you walk, breathed the same air you breathe. He was tempted in all ways except common to man, except he was without sin. And he died a holy and a righteous life. He was buried and in the tomb for three days and he rose again the third day to prove how much he loved you. And that by faith in him, your sins and my sins can be forgiven and that we can escape the wrath of God. That's the truth from God's heart to ours. And I believe some of you have never surrendered your life. And that's the reason why God's brought you in here today that maybe your life is caught up with idolatry. Maybe you are caught up in things that you don't quite see because the Bible would describe us apart from him as blind and we just don't see it. And we can live in blindness and we can live in blindness and we can live in blindness, but what God wants to do is shine the light so that you can see today how much he loves you and what he's done. He, he shows, Paul does, our need for a savior so that he can turn around and show us that he's provided a savior. And there's only one way to the Father, Jesus said, and it was through him. There's only one way to escape the judgment of God. It's through him. There's only one way to step aside from the wrath of God, and it's through him. I'll tell you, one of the ways that you can see how far man has gotten away from God is through idolatry. A good definition of idolatry would be anything or anyone that takes the place of God in your life. Anything or anyone that takes the place of God in your life. Where God is no longer on the throne, you have placed something else that takes your time and attention of worship away from the true and living God. You can jot it down in Exodus chapter 20, verses 3 and 4. God made it very clear for us, you shall have no other gods, small g, before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. And so what's the problem today? It's not one of information. It's one of dedication. It's not that we need to know more. God has revealed himself to us, especially to us who have the word of God in our laps, who hear Bible teaching all the time. The area is not one of information. It's one of dedication. Jesus said the same thing. Look at John's gospel, chapter 3. Speaking of the condemnation and the judgment that comes upon those that reject him, look at what he says. Look at verse 19 with me, John's Gospel, chapter 3. Jesus says, And this is the condemnation, that light has come into the world, and men loved darkness rather than light. Why? Because their deeds were evil. Do you know that studies suggest and actually prove that the crime rates go up when the sun goes down? Because there's this illusion that darkness will cover the evil deeds. And so much more happens after the sun goes down. Jesus says their deeds are evil. They love the darkness. Verse 20, for everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light lest the de his deeds should be exposed. Verse 21, but he who does the truth, you might just want to mark those three words, he who does the truth, that describes a believer's life. A believer does the truth. A believer in Jesus Christ hears the truth and then does the truth. A believer in Jesus is taught the truth and then goes out to live the truth in the power of the Holy Spirit. He who does the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. Amazing, isn't it? It's amazing now that as believers, we are not afraid of the light. 
Maybe as unbelievers we were afraid of life, but now as believers we're not afraid of life. We live our life in such a way where our lives are now open books. Shed your light anywhere in my life, Jesus, because I'm not hiding anything. You know, believers, we should be living a life that says something similar to this. You know, you can come to my house anytime, check my computer, check my laptop on all the websites I've visited in the last 10 years. You should be able to do that, to live in the light and expose anything that you've been doing. But you know, if you're not living in the light, you can always tell. Because a person that's not living in the light is always afraid that they're going to be found out. They're always afraid it's going to come out at the wrong time. They're always afraid they're going to be caught. They're walking around on tiptoes, knowing what they're doing is wrong, resisting and rejecting the light, and not really wanting the light because they're afraid they'll be caught. You know, that's no way to live your Christian life. You don't want to have one life here and say, well, here I am in church. I'm doing fine. Everything's great. I'm the believer. And then God begins to move his light right on your heart. Boom. And you're like, hey, hey, don't shine the light there. You know, I've got my church life and I've got my home life. But for the believer, Jesus Christ has all your life. Amen? Is that true? That's how we should live our lives. That we're not afraid of the light. As a matter of fact, believers, we take it one step further, don't we? You can jot it down. We pray through Psalm 139, don't we? And we ask God. We ask God, search me and know me and reveal to me if there's any unclean thing in our lives. We take it one step further because we realize that we can come to a place where what we're doing we don't see or we're self-deceived and we say, Lord, show me, reveal to me because that's not the kind of life that I want to live. It's Psalm 139, if you're jotting it down, verses 23 and 24. But for the unbeliever, they hate the light because it exposes their deeds as evil and there's really no desire to change. So what happens when that, when that light is shined over and over and over again? Well, it's easy to create another God with a small g. So I understand the God of creation, the God who sent his only begotten son, but I also realize that if I acknowledge that there is a God of creator who has sent his son, then I'm accountable to that God and I don't want to be accountable. So, you know, I'll create a God on my own. I'll create a God in my own image. I'll create a little idol. Or, or I'll begin redefining God in my own image. And that the Bible calls idolatry. So this morning I want to show you seven steps on the pathway to idolatry that Paul gives us back in Romans chapter 1. Remember, we are studying through Romans chapter 1. This is our ninth Sunday studying Romans chapter 1. We've made it to verse 23. We're making a lot of progress, you know. Man. But we're taking our time, aren't we? We want to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to our hearts. We don't want to go too fast. We're pausing in certain sections because we want to highlight words or we want to highlight verses so that we grasp the wonderful gospel of grace. This book will spark a revival in your heart if you let it. This book will open your eyes to new avenues and new vistas of walking by grace in Jesus. If you're an unbeliever today, if you're someone apart from God, it might spark a revival and a regeneration in your life by the power of the Holy Spirit. And Paul warns us here in this section that there are steps to idolatry. Let's pick up in verse 18. We'll read through verse 23 for context. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. Because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. Verse 20. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, having been being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because although they knew God, 
And this no means they knew of God, they knew what was required of them by God. Although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile. Next to that word futile, you could write the word empty. They became empty in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools, and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man, and birds, and four-footed beasts, and creeping things. So number one, the first step toward idolatry is found in verse 20. Man ignores God's revelation of himself. Man simply chooses to ignore God who has revealed himself to man. So all that, man, all that God has shown man, there is a decision made consciously. I see what I see, I know what I know, and I ignore it. I don't want anything to do with the God that's revealed himself. And we're so thankful, aren't we, that God has revealed himself to us? That he's taken the step and he's revealed himself to us in a wonderful and a beautiful way. That he's given us the light of creation that we saw last week. He's given us internally the light of conscience. He's given us the light of Jesus Christ to the point where Jesus says, If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. God has given to us his word, the faith that's once and for all been delivered to the saints. And God has revealed himself. But man, he chooses to ignore that revelation in many different ways. Notice that Paul says in verse 20, the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen. And because they're clearly seen, that means then that they are consciously ignored. Even to the point where Paul says at the end of verse 20, they are without excuse. And if you weren't here with us last week, in our study last week, we paused to answer the question, what about those that have never heard? Because as we're sharing the gospel, that often is a question that comes up. What about those that have never heard? Or what about the pygmies? And we answered that question together biblically, didn't we? We walked through all the steps of how God has left everyone on the planet without excuse. There will be no excuses in heaven. God has revealed himself in a powerful and a mighty way. When we look to the heavens, it's clear, isn't it? There's a creator. We look to the mountaintops, it's clear, isn't it? There's a creator. We looked at Psalm 19 last time. You can jot it down. Listen, the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament shows his handiwork. Day unto day utters speech and night unto night reveals knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. God has been very clear in revealing to us himself I mean, if you just look at the intricacies of the human body for a second, you ever studied things like that? Unbelievable, this body of ours that God has created. Just the eye. I looked at it, just the eye. The human eye possesses 130 million light-sensitive rods and cones that convert light into chemical impulses. These signals travel at a rate of about a billion per second to the brain. Can you imagine that right now? In your head, a billion all over you, but you didn't even know that was going on in your head. God created you that way. The human eye, all these signals, incredible as the eye is, consider that we have not one, but two of them. And this matched pair, coupled with an interpretive center in the brain, allows us to determine distances to the objects we see. Our eyes also have the ability to focus automatically by elongating and compressing themselves. They're also inset between a bony brow that along with automatic shutters in the form of eyelids, provide protection for these intricate and delicate organs. That's just your eyeball, folks. Let alone the rest of your body. You ever been sick? Seriously sick? I mean, flu and whoa. Oh. You start to appreciate your body when it's well, don't you? I know when I get sick, I always think, what does my body feel like when it's well? Because it's not feeling well right now. I just want to feel like it's well. 
and we find ourselves in a place where you're like, wow, God, you're so cool. Listen to this, Psalm 139, verse 14. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. And so what has man done? Man says, hey, look, no God created you. It's evolution. That's what it is. Evolution. You are here by a random, slimy, gooey, crazy explosion. It's just random and you're random and everything's random. There's no rhyme or reason. You have no accountability to a creator. But that's not what the Bible says, does it? Way back in the beginning, God made it sure that the Bible, his word begins, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. You know, if you can take verse 1 of Genesis 1 and you can internalize it and you can live understanding and believing God is the creator, the rest of the Bible will be very easy to take. But when you ignore the clear revelation of God, then you've opened a vacuum to create a God in your own image. And that's what's happening today. That's step one on the pathway to idolatry. Number two is found in verse 21. It says, because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God. And that's number two. Number two on the pathway to idolatry is God is not glorified as God. So it's natural when you ignore and you dismiss God's revelation of himself that he's not glorified. That, that there is no God, so what difference does it make? And some even go that far to say there is no God. Like, Paul, or like the psalmist says in Psalm 14, the fool has said in his heart there is no God. But the Bible says that's foolish to come to the conclusion that there is no God. Step number three is found in verse 21. Not only did they not glorify him as God, but notice next, nor were thankful. Nor were thankful. Man does not glorify God as God. And then thirdly, man does not thank God. And why thank God? Why thank a God who I don't believe in, who I don't believe exists, who isn't in my life? Everything that I do is because of me. And do you know that the philosophy of humanism has overtaken our globe? That it's all about human ingenuity and human effort and human accomplishments? That it's so... Man is so caught up in honoring man that it wouldn't be much for you to turn on a television and see some award show. Say, oh, you have done so good, I want to give you an award. You have done so good, man. You look at what you have done. Look at all the accomplishments you have had. And all the while feeding that false sense that man is getting better and better. But in reality, man is not getting better and better. And it's not, the earth doesn't revolve around man. The earth revolves around its creator, God. I know from time to time you might see a sports hero or a movie star or a music star receive an award and acknowledge God, and that's a good. And there are even sometimes more rare where they might acknowledge Jesus Christ as their Savior. But the reality is, is that God, God is the one to be worshipped and glorified and thanked. Now, this is a good time to pause because I know a majority of us are Christians here. And it would be easy to turn off and say, well, that happens with unbelievers. Totally understand, Pastor Ed. No problem. That could never happen in my heart. But friends, it could. It certainly could happen in your heart where you take a path of idolatry in your life. Where in your life you refuse to ignore God's revelation where he's spoken to you and you choose not to do it. A time where in your life perhaps where you don't glorify God anymore. To the point where you no longer even thank God. For instance, you know, maybe you just got a promotion at work. I mean, a good raise, good title, 
And your attitude is, hey, you know what? I should have gotten this promotion. I've worked here for 20 years. I've toiled here. I've put in my overtime. I've paid my dues. Of course they should have chosen me because I deserve this promotion. But friends, the Bible says that promotion comes neither from the east or the west, but God raises up one and puts down another. So before you ever look at all the hard work you put into the promotion, you've been promoted because God has shown favor on your life. And he's to be thanked for that. Oh, yes, you might have put in your work. And yes, you might have been faithful. But the Bible says if you're faithful in the little things, you'll be made ruler of many more. But see, it's real easy. Oh, no, look at what I've done. When all the while God says, why don't you look to me and thank me? I'm the one that orchestrated that. I'm the one that spoke to your boss. I'm the one that's blessed you with talents. And it's so easy to fall into a place of not being thankful and forget that the blessings of God are not because of our human ingenuity or our good works or because we read our Bible this week or because we were in church. God blesses us because out of his grace and his love and his mercy, he loves to bless his kids. Aren't you glad about that? I mean, we would be a messed up lot if it, everything depended on our good works. And you know, the moment you get all messed up and, you know, you just get all, it doesn't even take anything but to wake up in the morning to be all messed up, huh? It's like, man, I had a, such a good night's sleep, and now I'm awake, and I'm all messed up. You get out of bed, and it doesn't get any better. And God, in his mercy and grace, draws us to himself, brings us to a place of, you know, Lord, you are good. I glorify you. I, I want to receive from you, and I thank you for all that you have done and continue to do in my life. So these things can easily creep into our lives. We can be unthankful. We can start taking credit to ourselves. You know, maybe... Maybe it's not in the realm of business that you've been blessed, but maybe you're just in one of those times where your spiritual walk is just really going well. Instead of thanking God for that, you might look to yourself and say, look what I have done. But remember, we understood that our righteousness before God is as filthy rags. Anything that we are, God has dropped into our lives. And his hand is upon our life because he loves us. And so we've got to guard ourselves. The fourth thing that we see here in the pathway to idolatry is also in verse 21. It says, although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful. But notice, they became futile in their thoughts. That's the very next step. Man becomes futile in his thoughts. The word futile means empty or vain. And so man starts having thoughts that are actually empty and vain of the consciousness or the presence of God. I mean, if you don't receive the revelation of God and you're not glorifying him as God, you're not thanking him as God, then it's very natural for you to make decisions not even bringing him into the decision and having empty thoughts. When you reject God and you put him out and when you say, I'm going to be an atheist or I'm going to be an agnostic, I'm going to live an ungodly life, I'm going to live a life the way I want to live it, I'm going to live with my own sexual mores, I don't care what God says, I'm going to do things the way I want to do them, there's no heaven, no earth, those are all empty thoughts, guys, that have completely pushed God out of the picture. Empty thoughts, not bringing you any closer to God, but actually drawing you farther away. And so what happens with a person like that? A person like that that begins to live their life, hey, who cares? There's no life after death, so I can just live here. I can do whatever I want. I'm not accountable to anybody. You know, if I hurt somebody, hey, I could do anything as long as I've figured it out and I've taken it. And God says, no, 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 no. No. He wants to give direction. He wants to help us in this life. He wants to draw us closer to him so we understand his love and grace more and become a funnel and a conduit of that love and grace to others. 
Well, there you have the first four of seven steps on the pathway to idolatry. We'll have the remaining three for you tomorrow on Abounding Grace as Pastor Ed Taylor continues our study in Romans. To give this a second listen, all you need to do is visit our website at AboundingGraceRadio.com. This is a fairly new site. As you take a look around, you'll notice Pastor Ed's blog, the Abounding Grace podcast, our show archives, and even a place to make a secure donation as the Lord leads. That's AboundingGraceRadio.com. We'd like to suggest adding a couple of apps to your mobile devices. Look for our church app and Grace FM Colorado app available on all platforms when you do a search for Calvary Church Aurora. They're free and a great way to fill up on the teaching of the Word wherever you may be. Abounding Grace is made possible through the generosity of our listeners. Each gift that comes in serves to help us pay for radio time. And think of this. You'll be helping thousands all over the world learn about God's abounding grace and how to grow by it. And today, when you give a donation of $25 or more, you're invited to request a book by Pastor Greg Laurie and Ellen Vaughn called Jesus Revolution. Some of you were alive to remember how God got a hold of an unlikely group of men and women in the 60s and 70s. You'll read the amazing true story of the Jesus Movement, an amazing time of mass revival, renewal, and reconciliation. Can God do it again? You bet. Call us right now so we can drop this in the mail to you. We're at 877-30-GRACE. Again, to order the book, call 877-30-GRACE. We'll pick up where we left off in Romans tomorrow on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. May God richly bless you with His abounding grace. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church Colorado here in Aurora.